the reason that black people are in the streets has to do with the lives they're forced to lead in this country. And they're forced to lead these lives by the indifference and the um, apathy and a certain kind of ignorance, a very willful ignorance on the part of their co-citizens. Everybody knows, no matter what they do not know, that they wouldn't like to be a black man in this country. They know that, and they shut their minds against the rest of it, all the implications of being a black father, or a black woman, or a black son. And all of the implications involved in a human being's endeavor to take care of his wife, to take care of his children, to raise his children to be men and women in the teeth of a structure which is built to deny that I can be a human being or that my child can be. The great question in the country has been all the years that I've been living here and I was born here 43 years ago, is what does the Negro want? And this question masks a terrible knowledge. I want exactly what you want. And you know what you want. I want to be left alone. My house shall be called the house of prayer, says the Lord. But you have made it a den of thieves. Sexual chocolate. They play so fine, don't you agree? I believe the children are our future. Thank you. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride. Make it easier. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Welcome back. I'm your host, William C. Walker Jr. This is episode 44, The Next Generation. And I started uh, the episode with a clip of uh, James Baldwin. Uh, and he was speaking in regards to uh, the reason behind riots that were take, that took place in 1968. Um, you know, while he was addressing the very same issues that we're facing today and you know we we continue to face this uh throughout our country throughout the history of black people being in this country and one of the takeaways that i mean we're actually the the reason i included was because the stuff he was talking about what we want it still applies to this very day 
and it's why things in this country have to change you know we can't have our next generation still fighting this exact same battle and that's why we have to do more and it has to be different going forward it's you know i called this episode the next generation because i have uh, conversations with my amazing nieces uh that are in this episode uh, my niece samaya who's been on before uh, but also, uh, but but uh, making their debut is uh, my my other nieces, Nalani, uh, Nevea, and Ricky. Um, you know, I, I was um, having conversations throughout this whole uh, ordeal, which started with the you know not, even before the murder of uh, George Floyd, but you know with the uh, Central Park Karen Amy Cooper, but it just. You know, we hit that tipping point with the murder of George Floyd. And, you know, I've been having these conversations with my, my, you know, my peers. And I just wanted to get the younger generation's perspective on uh, all that's taking place and how they feel about it and what they feel like they can do or uh, do they feel like they can do anything. And um, uh, also in this episode, I, I get to have a conversation with my pastor, uh, the pastor of Mount Zion Miracle Station uh, church in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, Jimmy Gibson. And uh, finally, I'm also joined uh, later by the host of F Living Rich, the podcast F Living Rich and Dying Broke. Uh, and he's the father of Nalani, Nevaeh, and Ricky, my brother, my brother Ricky. And um, so, but first up is the conversation I had with my niece and uh, Pastor Gibson, because it actually took place uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and it was, you know, even before the latest death uh, in Atlanta, which was another unarmed black man, uh, Rashad Brooks. But, you know, even though the conversation was, was two weeks ago, what, you know, it still applies. And uh, we really got into some good subject uh, matter in regards to how they feel about what's been taking place and what the protesting and the rioting and um, get some really good insight for Pastor Gibson and, you know, just in, in also in terms of forgiveness and, you know, why black people had that propensity to forgive and why it's, you know, but why we're not there yet, even in this regard. Um, but it's a full episode. Uh, this is the Zero to 100 podcast, episode 44, The Next Generation. So this is the Zero to One Hundred podcast, and today I am actually joined by two guests. I have my uh, pastor, the pastor of Mount Zion Miracle Station, my church, Pastor Jimmy Gibson. What's up, Pastor? What's up, Billy? And I'm also joined by one of my amazing nieces, Samaya, making her return. What's going on, Samaya? Hi, Uncle Billy. <laughs> All right, so I appreciate you guys jumping on and joining me, and uh, especially in the wake of all the craziness that went on last week and over the weekend and even still going on today uh, with the protests and curfews and all that. And I wanted to ask you guys a couple of questions, especially because I wanted to get your um, experience and uh, also some of your expertise, Pastor. But let's start with you, Samaya. So you're a young person. How mm-hmm. are you feeling about like all this stuff that's going on with uh, the death of George Floyd, the protests, all the, you know, and it's not just him because 
that's the thing. Like a lot of people have already been like, well, why are y'all doing it now? And I'm like, now, like this is this is more like yeah. the straw that broke the camel's back. But how how are you feeling as a young person seeing all this stuff? Um, I'm like really scared. Well, I'm scared and I'm confused because I feel like this has happened so many times. You would think police officers would be more aware and would be trying to stop it. But I'm starting to get to the understanding that I think everybody else has already come to is that they don't care and they know that they are not going to get in trouble. So why should they stop? So um, I like to think of this as like, yeah, I mean, it's different. It seems different because a lot of people are coming out and speaking about it, which I think is a good thing. And I really think that this one case of police brutality, George Floyd's death is going to probably bring something significant to the Black Lives Matter movement. And I believe that it may, it has a lot to do with the younger generation. I feel like younger generation, they've seen it at growing up and they've seen it in the past. They, they were taught this in school. So now they're like, okay, this is enough. And this is, we're at the point where we can say something and do something about it. So yeah, I feel like this is definitely time. This is a turning point in the Black Lives Matter. And it has a lot to do with the young um, voice of America. It makes me feel optimistic that you said that and that you feel that way as a turning point because I think, um, you know, Pastor, I want to get your thoughts. Like, how how do you feel? Do you feel like this is a turning point or a tipping point? Because, like, uh, I'm older than Samaya, and I've seen some stuff that she hasn't seen, and, and you're a little bit older than me. I'm not going to call you an old man. But, <laughs> but how do you feel about it? Um... Uh, whether it's a turning point, I believe it's an awakening. Um, because I think what my generation has done has, has not done a good job of educating um, the Samayas um, and those that are like 30 and under. We haven't done a good job of, of letting them know that, you know, the thought that you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. You can do all this other stuff, this self-empowerment, which is wonderful. But I don't think we prepared, I don't think we prepared our younger generation for the obstacles that that they face, that they are facing and that they will face, especially with racism. Um, because I believe my generation, we didn't come through segregation. You know, I'm born in 67. Mm -hmm. So the civil rights movement, you know, was with Martin Luther King and he dies in 68, assassinated. Um, so we, my generation has always lived pretty much in desegregation. And so I believe that we haven't done a good job because we don't ever want to go back. We think that it's better. We think that it's, it's kind of like, I, I, I say it's like um, having a, a sickness and you're taking the uh, antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And then when you start feeling better, you just throw away the medicine. Mm -hmm. I don't think our generation allowed the next generation to complete the medicine um, so that they can get a better grasp on it. So I believe that it, it is a turning point to a, to a point, but I believe there's an awakening uh, for all of us that we needed to, to have this. We should have had this discussion a long time ago, but I don't, I don't necessarily lay, lay it on the, the feet of our young people. I lay it at the feet of white people. Mm. Um, white people have to step up and say, "This is we can't do this anymore." Um, 
for instance, if Tom Brady, I was looking at ESPN, if Tom Brady and uh, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers came out and said, we're, we're against police brutality, and I'm going to take a knee every, every game until y'all give serious consideration to Colin Kaepernick because of uh, police brutality, then it, it would have some weight or whatever because obviously we see that black, black lives don't matter. Yeah. You know, and so it needs to have some white weight to it, unfortunately, but that's part of it. Yeah. So, Samaya, do you know if any of your friends have been participating in regards to the protests or have they been going out and, and doing stuff? Yes. Um, let's see. I saw someone had posted on their um, social media that they had went to the one here in Wilmington. And then I saw that one of my co-workers, well, two of my co-workers actually were down during the riot that was happening in Dover. So um, I'm, I, that's all I know is I know that they were there and they participated, but I don't know anything else, like any other details. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pastor, like you're, you're closer to Wilmington now, like you're in the city now. Have, have you, I mean, I know my one friend who lives uh, like, near or closer to downtown she had kind of walked around and saw some of the damage have you has it spilled into the neighborhood like where you are is it Uh, really just uh, in this neighborhood it hasn't come over at all you know the neighborhood so it hasn't really it hasn't really um spilled over here um i don't think it's really gone past spruce i don't even think it's come back i don't really think it's come beyond um Mm -hmm. king street um Mm -hmm. really i don't think it's I don't think it's come down that far. Um, I just heard that, I think the closest I've heard was a ninth and market, maybe the Walgreens there at ninth and market. Um, But I haven't seen anything in the neighborhood so far. And I haven't, you know, people haven't been walking through like rap anything either. So uh, there hasn't been much going on here. So I've been asking pretty much everybody, like what is their feelings or what are their thoughts in regards to the protest? It, you know, when I, when it started or, the protests that I've been 100% behind and for, the the looting aspect is definitely been, you know, I haven't been for it. and uh, the, But even the rioting, some of it, I'm not against in terms of when you push a people too far, especially when it's been something like this, eventually you'll snap. But um, it's, it's like somebody said something today that I found interesting. I wonder what y'all think. Because he was saying how if you were more he's he's seen more people coming out and being real vocal and talking about, oh, this is horrible, I'm against this when they see the looting. But those same people were pretty quiet in regards to when they saw the video of George Floyd being killed or Amar Arbery. And then it's like if you more upset off of people robbing or taking a TV than you are somebody being murdered, I think like you part of the problem. Like, what do you guys, like, how have y'all felt about the protest or the looting and that stuff? Because it's, it's definitely had me torn, but it's hard for me to get that upset about it. Um, you know, they didn't, they, nobody listened when Colin Kaepernick did the knee. Mm-hmm. So if, 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 if you're not going to listen when I'm quiet, then what's the next step? I got to go louder. Exactly. Go I have to be a little bit more aggressive or whatever the case may be. And I think I posted on my Facebook page that um, 
even Jesus flipped the tables in his own house. Mm, that's true. That's um, true. And it doesn't it doesn't say that the tables were still standing. It doesn't say that you know he damaged some stuff in his own house. Um, now I'm not saying that um, that you need to go out and damage stuff, but I think sometimes you have to slam a door. Sometimes you have to just punch a hole in the wall. Sometimes you just have to do some things. And so in the community itself, um, this is the punch in the wall. And yes, it has, it is affect, it's going to affect a lot of people's jobs. It's going to affect some other things. And I think uh, there has to be a, a balance. But like you said, you, if you poke somebody, if you poke the bear long enough, the bear is going to respond. Mm -hmm. And, and if you don't have, and if you haven't been given the voice to respond when you were trying to be calm and nice, then sometimes the only time you do listen is when we go, as they say, we go ham. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's, it's sad that we have to get to that point, but yeah. nobody ever listens to black folks. You know, we, we're saying police brutality, this is what's been happening. This is what's been happening. And all, you know, with us, all other groups always say, well, y'all need to get over it. Mm -hmm. You need to get over slavery. Mm -hmm. You need to get over segregation. You need to get over prohibition. You need to get over all that stuff. But we never say, you know, you never hear folks say to the Japanese, you need to get over Hiroshima. Mm -hmm. You never hear anybody tell anybody, uh, tell Jews that you need to get over um, uh, uh, the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, part of it is the, the colonization of, of, of Christianity. And I'm going to go to that route. The colonization of Christianity, it doesn't allow you to, it, the, colon, the, co, the, the, the slave owners didn't preach um, the social justice side of Jesus. Jesus was a social justice drum major, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it never, so, because if you look at Jesus in that, that meant that you couldn't suppress the slave anymore. And so in turn, you know, turn the other cheek and, you know, that's what does always turn the other cheek. Well, I've turned the other cheek <laughs> and I don't have no more cheeks to be turning. And um, it doesn't mean that I have to go all the way and tear up a whole city, but I can't necessarily condemn folks because, you know, that's, it's always been, um, what, what did Martin Luther King say? A riot is the voice of the unheard. Mm -hmm. um, and so... When you're unheard, you just gotta clang the pots and see if you can do it. So, I'm sorry, Samaya. No, you're fine. Sorry. So, so what do you think, Samaya? How you you felt about the the protests? Like how, like um, the feelings on it? Like in terms of the the looting or the rioting? I definitely agree with Pastor Gibson. I it's like showing people because like how many times do we have to scream how many times do we have to cry to express to you how terrible it is that what you're doing and it's wrong how what else can we do it's like basically you're talking to someone like you're talking to someone who's not listening to you and what are you going to do you're going to get louder you're going to get more physical you're going to get more violent so that's what we're doing but i also believe that like like, I do believe that, like, hurting your community probably isn't going to work. If anything, it's probably going to just defend what they say by calling us thugs or calling us criminals. And I feel like the best way we have to do this, and may even be possible that this is going to take a long time, is through policy. So I feel like if we were to protest at, like, 
uh, city council meetings, or if we were to protest the White House, if we marched on the, to the White House and we had like protests where we had speeches and it wasn't just a lot of like screaming, mm-hmm. we could actually get something done. Because we've gotten to the point where we've understood this as a problem. It's the point of what can we do to stop this? So yes, I, as much as I believe that we need to get our voices heard and we need to express how angry this makes us, I don't think like rioting and looting is the best way. And I don't think it's hurt. It, it's helping us much, but I do believe that I, I understand it. And I, I agree that it's, it's frustrating. And sometimes like it, the best way to like to express your feelings is probably through violence. Some people may go through violence and like they're really, when they're really upset. So like, I understand it. So that's just the first part of my conversation with my uh, niece, Samaya, and Pastor Gibson. And I was happy that he brought up that Jesus was a, a you know, social uh, justice advocate. And that's that he brought up that even Jesus, you know, turned over the tables. And that's the thing that people seem to um, fail to remember or realize because the Bible does say, like, be angry but sin not and it's you know we have a right to be angry um you know like this past weekend i got a text from my friend christina and she was just like it killed another one and you know um talking about rashard brooks in atlanta and it's so disheartening and frustrating that you would think during this time period that police would be even more so on their P's and Q's, but this is why it's like, this is why we're marching. This is why people are protesting. This is why people are rioting because they just don't get it. And you can see it from the footage from just the protests like that have been peaceful. And then they're escalated by aggressive behavior by the police. And so it's just, this is why we're marching. This is why it's going on. And it's just, it's so disheartening and frustrating, but, you know, it shows like what happened to Rashard Brooks in Atlanta shows that there's a problem with the training. There's a problem with the, you know, the way that the culture is and and it needs serious reform and sees it has to change from the ground up. And um, so up next, we, you know, I have the conversation with my my nieces, um, Nalani Nevea and uh, baby Ricky. And um, later on, their dad jumps in. uh, But that episode is going to be broken up. Don't worry, I am going to come back to the conversation I had with my niece and and Pastor Gibson. You're listening to the Zero to 100 podcast. This is the Zero to 100 podcast. And I have my first time guest. I'm joined by my amazing nieces, Nalani. Hello. And Nevea. Hi. And my niece, Baby Ricky. Hi. (laughs) I appreciate you guys jumping on. And I wanted to talk to you in regards to all the crazy stuff that's going on because I wanted to get a young person's perspective. I actually spoke to Samaya a couple of weeks ago about it, and she shared her thoughts. You guys are even younger than Samaya. 
So what are you guys like what are, what have you guys been feeling in the midst of all of this um protesting and and the Black Lives Matter movement? Do you understand it? Are you confused? Are you scared? I mean, for me personally, I really think like this is like I feel like this has been a long-awaited ride because, you know, when Trayvon Martin was shot and along with a lot of others, you know, I think it was maybe back in 2016, it was like people were frustrated, especially about community, but no one really rioted like this. So I feel like it's really good that people are breaking out of their shells. And like, I see a lot of my students and like classmates talking about this when they didn't really seem like people who would, you know, share about issues like this. So I really appreciate the like how far we've come and we've actually like changed a lot with the rioting and not the looting but like just like the protesting and like signing petitions and like donating i think we've made it like a super big change well so what about you guys nalani baby ricky um well personally i agree with nevea i think that this has been long awaited, uh, especially since with, you know, like all the, you know, like, like she said, like, it's just all the police brutality that's happened over the years. And like, we've just been, as a black community, we've been kind of forced to like pre peacefully protest because if not, then, you know, we get portrayed in a very bad way on the media and it just looks bad on our part. So uh, after all these years of just systematic racism and just being targeted by the police, uh, I think that like, I, I definitely think it's good that we're, you know, speaking up about, you know, what we're, what we're experiencing every day. And I think it's good that we, uh, people are finally starting to acknowledge it and there's starting to be some change. But um, I also feel like the, sometimes the media portrays the protests uh, in a very negative way, which they can be very negative. I feel like the looting is definitely, uh, definitely not good. Uh, but I feel like the looting, in my opinion, is just, I feel like people just go to the protests and take advantage of, you know, all the chaos that goes on, and they just, their first instinct is, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, just steal this, and it'll be fine, because, you know, we're rioting for Black lives, it'll be fine, so I think it's very, it's taken out of context in most scenarios, and I think people should do more research, um, and definitely speak up more, and try to go to the protests and be active in what's happening in the world right now. Good answer. What about you, Ricky? I think people need to like educate themselves a lot more. I know that I'm not very educated on the topic. I'm not very like I'm not I don't really keep up with like everything that's happening. But people they don't they they can't comprehend it sometimes. It's like you they don't understand how to how to not portray uh the black community as like a bad community all they see is like the rioting the looting and like well there's no reason to be rioting in other states because it only happened in like a couple other states and it didn't happen in your state well it, it probably has happened in like other people's states but it's there's no reason for you to say that because we've been we've been trying to shed light on this and like Nalani Neve said, we've been waiting this whole entire time and now we're finally like 
breaking out of our shells and actually speaking up and saying something about what's happening. Yeah, I think you guys are making really good points, especially to be so young and not have a lot of experience with it. Because, you know, for it's like it's been going on for a really long time. And I know like when you guys typically when they have Black History Month, you learn about the civil rights movement and everything. And I think a lot of people <clears throat> in particular, uh, I would say white people think that, oh, you know, the bad stuff ended when civil rights under the civil rights movement and it really didn't. And plus like that really wasn't that long ago. Like I know it's a long time for you guys, but that was really only like 50 years ago. And you know, there's people, there are a lot of people that are still alive during that time period. So I have a question for you guys. Would you say that your generation is more understanding or empathetic to the Black Lives Matter movement, or do you think your generation is also has problems with racism? Or do you think it's more of an older generation thing? I think that our generation has made a lot of change, not just with racism, but with um, just accepting people for who they are and being more empathetic than past generations were and really understanding, being understanding and connecting a lot, I think we're going to make a lot of change. Of course, I think every generation has racism. It's not really just gonna go away like that, but I think our generation has like a lower rate of racism. And I think we're really the change, especially like young generations, we're trying our hardest to make a quality, like, make quality happen like the fastest way possible. It doesn't, not, like not all racism isn't in the older generations, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think racism is in every generation. It just like happens to be that in older generations, racism was like in the 50s, kind of just something that was not normal, but segregation was a thing. So yeah. it was kind of normal. So I think it's harder for you to change your mindset from like a lifestyle that was implemented like just like normally. Yeah. <laughs> You could say it was normal back then. It definitely was. I mean, it, it was, it, you know, because it, it's not like it hasn't gotten better. It's definitely gotten better. But unfortunately, a lot of stuff is, is still the same, which is why I think you see the, uh, the way that this has been going, because it's not just because of George Floyd. It's, you know... It's, it's a lot of the names that too many to even list right now. So are you guys excited about the changes that you think are going to come? Or, or one, let me ask, are you optimistic? Do you think things are going to change? Well, I like to try to be optimistic about the situation because it does seem like a lot of things have been changing uh, over the past couple of weeks, which is definitely good. But at the same time, I think that there's an overall fear that after all of this kind of dies down in the future, that nothing's really gonna change and, you know, like everything's just gonna go back to being the way it was and no one's gonna care anymore. They're just gonna say, oh, it was a trend. It, it, you know, Black Lives, uh, yeah, I guess they mattered back then, but you know, this is now. And, you know, you had your you had your moment to shine. You had your riots, you, you, you know, you stole all this stuff. You dumped some statues and some rivers. Good for you, but 
you know, we're, we're done with that now and they're, they're just going to move on. So I think there's, I think a lot of people, especially in our generation are kind of fearing that, but at the same time, you know, I guess we just all kind of hope for the best. And I mean, I don't think they're, they're going to stop because, you know, this has been going on for way too long. And mm-hmm. the fact that like it's finally coming to light is definitely, it's definitely not going to just die down that fast. So, but yeah, I think there's just that general fear. What about you, Ricky? Do you, are you optimistic? I'm, uh, I kind of am, kind of not, because since back then when they were having or their whole entire civil rights movement, they they got they got what they wanted, and I'm kind I'm not scared, but I'm kind of worried that since now that we're making big changes and we're pulling bold moves and we're doing what we're doing now, that we might end up getting what we want, but like. Nalani said that we might go back to actually just saying it was a trend or it's a phase that um, that we had inflicted on all of us. I think those are legitimate fears. I myself have had those concerns with it because I don't want people to just, it's, it's a thing that I've said before. I don't think I ever said it to you guys, but I have a fear of what's called what I call social trend justice, where it's like a fashion trend, where it's like, oh, it's cool to be against this. So yeah, this is the hip thing to be against like racism. And then after, yeah, like you guys say, like it dies down and they're like, oh, okay. Now let's move on to, I hate you or because I'm canceling you because you like to wear uh, your sneakers or, or your jeans backwards or something, <laughs> something crazy like that but um what what are some of the changes that you guys would like to see from this movement like what what would you like to see changed i would just like to see why people talk more comfortably about racism not just white people but for everybody to talk more comfortably about racism because a lot of my friends are white, you know, like a lot. And it's like, I don't mention it 24 seven because, you know, it's not something, it's not like, you know, all of the, I don't not that like much of an activist, but if it does come up, like I'm going to talk about it, I'm not going to be uncomfortable. And it's like, I feel like a lot of parents raise their kids to just be like, don't talk about that or that's not important. And it's, it, it really is important to talk about. So. I just hope. Do you think, like, do you, when you say that, like, you know, you have a lot of white friends, do they ever ask you questions about it or do they come to you? Like, like uh, one of the things I've, I know, like, uh, one of my friends said, like, uh, one of her good white friends came to her and was like, what can I do? What can I, like, have they come to you like that? No, a lot of my, a lot of my white friends, they don't really, I think they're more just like shy and they're too afraid to speak about something and they're too afraid that if they do care about this, they're going to be held accountable. They're going to be like, oh, well, you cared about this, so you had to talk about it 24-7 all the time and it's not, you don't really have, I mean, it's nice and that's like from the last question, I do hope that from doing all of this, you, people understand that it's not a one-time thing. And that I hope that I learn in the future to always care about Black Lives Mattering and, you know, other lives mattering. 
but a lot of my white friends don't really care much and they don't really talk about it much, which is, I feel like is kind of disappointing. Mm. What about you guys? Do you guys have a lot of white friends? I I personally do have a lot of, a lot of white friends, but I also do have like other friends who are like different different races races races. But um, different races? No, no, like they're they're different races. Yes. Hello. Um, but um, but I want I want us to be like further educated and schools just to teach schools to like generally teach you about what's going on and not like the same exact three people over and over again like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and like Frederick Douglass not saying that they're not important but they constantly rotate them in and out and they they show the same exact Martin Luther King film at my elementary school so they don't really do anything you want them to do like how I do with our church, where I expand. Yeah. The, the, uh, you guys learn about all kinds of different people. That's the first part of my conversation with my nieces, uh, Nalani, Nevaeh, and Ricky. And um, I'm just so proud of them. And just like Samaya, like how uh, you know introspective and intelligent they are and articulate that they are uh, when discussing these really tough and heavy subjects. And that they've really given it some thought. And they, you know, it makes me really happy and optimistic about the future um, when I hear them talk about stuff. So uh, up next is the remaining conversation I actually have with Samaya and Pastor Gibson. And in fact, um, you know, Pastor Gibson had brought something up um, when he was talking about Jesus as a, a social justice advocate and uh in fact just we kind of get a little bit into what he was talking about the colonization of christianity um and we kind of get into that as well as uh we the conversation uh about forgiveness because i've had this debate in regards to um people in the black community in particular uh forgiving and we we also get into that discussion as well he brings up some other very interesting uh points and then later, uh, it's going to be the remainder of my conversation with my nieces, Nalani, Nevaeh, and Ricky, as their uh, dad, Ricky, uh, joins us as well. You don't get the full conversation of that. That'll probably be in the next uh, episode, but um, I will get you that as well. But up next is uh, the remainder of my conversation with Samaya and Pastor Gibson. You're listening to the Zero to 100 podcast, episode 44. Okay, thanks, Samaya. So, Pastor, you you brought up a, a good point, or you or you took it to a place I I wanted to talk to you with, especially in regards to how Jesus, um, you know, when he overturned the table, or, or how you said, you know, how many times we didn't turn the other cheek. One of the debates that I've gotten into with a number of my friends when you brought up the point of when you turn the other cheek and I don't have any other cheeks to uh, turn and I had like I've, I've had like a number of friends and I've had this debate with them where you see stuff like this happen like for example when um when there was the Amber Geiger trial and she got convicted of both of them John and then his brother forgave her and then like there's this sweeping part of 
of people who are fed up with it. They're like, why are we always forgiving? I can't take it. Stop forgiving these people. And I'm always like, it always bothers me because, especially as a Christian, like, I I am angry, but I also understand the importance of the forgiveness. And, like, you brought it up when you were saying how to, the, like, the um, colonization of Christianity. And that's the other thing that, I'm, that's the second part of it. But I'll get to the second part. But starting with that first part, like, why, to me, I mean, I, I feel like I know why forgiveness is important, but I feel like you could speak to it better than I could in terms of when it comes to stuff like this, why it's not necessarily a bad thing and what the true purpose of it behind. Because it's not for the person that we're forgiving. It has been my perspective of it. But I'll let, you know, what do you think or what is your feelings on it? I, I, I think it's, it's twofold in the sense that um, forgiveness helps, helps the process of healing. So um, right now, this is an open wound mm-hmm. uh, that has been reopened. It's a wound that has been reopened and it's bleeding again. Um, and I always equate it to, I have this scar on my elbow um, that I got in fourth grade. Uh, and I can remember how it happened like it was yesterday and I'm 52 and and um forgiveness is saying man that thing really hurt me now I gotta let it begin to heal uh but I can't keep banging it you know so the forgiveness piece is yes it's it's important because you don't want to re-injure yourself you don't want to be placed in that position to be re-injured. And so true forgiveness is, is, is this. True forgiveness is being able to look at, to look at that police officer. And you can, you can exact um, forgiveness. Right now, it hurts too bad for mm-hmm. me to say, I totally forgive you. Mm-hmm. I forgive you because you did it. But as it heals, um, I want to get to the point where when I see him, I'm not angry. Mm-hmm. And so when we forgive, and it's just like in, in, in our marriages and our relationships, forgiveness is being able to say, yes, you hurt me. Yes, you did this. But now I have a scar from it, but it doesn't hurt me anymore. I can look at it. It doesn't, I can be reminded of it. I remember what happened, so I won't do it again. Um, and then what what forgiveness does it heals you from the inside out and so you begin to heal on the inside that um that you forgive and that you're able to uh, we're not god god says that he won't remember it from the east is to the west your place is as far as the east is from the west god has that capability i don't and i'll just be real i don't have that capability of putting it that far out however in the context of really in forgiveness you can because I, although I remember this, this, uh, this scar, I don't remember the pain. I don't mm-hmm. remember. I remember hurt at the time, and I remember the excruciating pain I was going in. Uh, and it's the same thing with my hips when I got my hips replaced. Um, I could remember that they hurt, but I don't remember the pain itself, the exact pain. Um, but I know that I was hurt by it. And forgiveness allows you to be able to heal the scar, heal, heal the wound, but you're still going to have a scar. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to realize that um, sin has left a scar on on humanity. Um, 
Adam and Eve, after they're forgiven by God, the scar is they'll never have Eden again until he has to reconcile everything. So the wound, God says, I forgive you, but there's a consequence to the forgiveness. Um, and so part of us forgiving, yes, I can forgive this police officer, but right now the consequence is my trust level of police officers is real low mm -hmm. because I don't know who else is like this. And so um, there it has to be a lot of reform. And it has to be, you know, I don't know how you can ever get rid of it because people can cover it up so well. Um, but, um, but that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is being able to look at the scar, remember the wound, but not remember the pain. And I always felt like, especially when I've had these discussions with people, I don't ever feel like that means the person I'm forgiving, or if I even get to that point, that it absolves them from what they did. No, I want them to be punished. Like, right. that's the difference. Like, you still, I want you to, to be punished for what you did. That doesn't, just because I forgive you, or doesn't mean I'm absolving you of, like, right. I always look at it as, like, it's, it's more beneficial to me. Because it's like, I don't want that to poison me or poison my heart. And I don't want God, because I don't want God to look at me ever and be like, well, no, I'm not going to forgive you for the stuff that you did. You couldn't forgive, so why should I forgive you? And that's just, right. I always look at it as like, it's more for me than it is for the others. Um, Samaya, do you feel like, like, what, what are your thoughts in regards to forgiveness? Do you think it's hard to forgive people when it's like, especially when it's stuff like this, which, uh, so, you know, social injustice and stuff. Yes, I believe it's really hard to forgive someone because I know I struggle with forgiving people myself. Um, I've never really thought of it as a way of like healing because now that I think about it, the things like I probably regret or like I never forgive someone for, I just remember recalling on that and I still feel pain about it. So, um, that was I I didn't never thought of it like that before, and like these people, these families who've been affected by police brutality, like losing a lost one due to police brutality, I, I, I can't understand how they could forgive someone like that because, like that that's really that's a lot of pain right there, and like I don't I feel like if someone were to forgive them, it'd be like how you said Uncle Billy like you're kind of like saying like oh they don't really need to be punished or it seems that way they're like oh they don't really need to be punished but and then on top of it my thing is when you say you're sorry for something you're promising that you're not going to do it again or you're going to make sure it doesn't happen again mm -hmm. and it keeps happening so it's hard to forgive people for something That's that like point. you promise is not going to happen again but it continues to happen so, yeah. That's a good point. All right, Pastor, the other thing that you brought up, and this is getting a little deep, like when you're talking about the colonization of Christianity, this is one of the other things that I go hard with other people. It's like, well, it's a quote unquote woke people, which I'm, I'm not even front. I've said it before, I hate the term. I think it's so dumb because I don't think they're woke. I just think you're trying to sound more intelligent. But They'll be quick to go, how are you going to follow a religion that was given to you by the slave master when the master keep you dead? And it's like, it drives me nuts because I'm like, that's, 
it's just it's it's bigger than that. It's beyond that. So you started to talk about it. What are you like? What do you do when people come up to you or somebody come up to you? Be like, look, brother, how you gonna come? How you gonna <laughs> like? I, I just how you how you gonna how you gonna follow the white man religion? Yeah, and 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 that's what it boils down to. And um, what I normally tell them is, of if the Bible, if they you if if they were able to keep you from reading the Bible, there was a reason why they kept you from reading it and only allowed you to read certain aspects. Mm-hmm. Because when you read it, if you read it from Genesis to Revelation. It's a black book. <laughs> I mean, Moses, when he writes the Pentateuch, the five first five books of the Bible, when he talks about what he sees, he sees the Euphrates, he sees the Nile, he sees this, and he's talking about Africa. He's talking mm-hmm. about Egypt. He's talking about um, all of that. And so when we, when we think about it, the reason why they didn't want us to read it is because they really, what, what the Bible is telling us that I have yet to see white clay mm-hmm. or white dirt that's not Plato mm-hmm. that has not been manufactured to be made that way or have the color removed from it. So you've seen red clay, you've seen brown dirt, you've seen all that kind of stuff, but you rarely, the beaches are sand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not even dust, that's just sand. Um, and so I just tell folks, you know, <laughs> if they had used something else, then what? You know, if if they use something else, they were going to use something. And so, in any in any religion, you have extremists. Mm-hmm. And so, they've taken the extreme and made it put the curse of black folks on Ham from 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 Moses. I mean, from uh, Noah. Mm-hmm. That Ham is the one that was cursed because he saw his father naked and all this other kind of stuff. Blah blah blah. So that meant that black folks going to be cursed for the rest of their life. So they mis they misrepresented what the Bible is really saying. Um, it's just no different than having Shiite Muslims and having these other sectarians that are extremists that are in other religions as well. Um, and then you have those that are on the opposite side that are totally just, they let anything go. Um, but um, what, I, what I tell folks is that's why the Bible, I believe that's why the Bible says study to mm-hmm. show yourself approved a workman that rightly divides the word of God, that you rightly go through the word of God to see it for yourself. And so you can take, you, for instance, me writing this paper on slavery in the Bible through Paul uh, writing in the book of Colossians and in the book of Philemon, mm-hmm. uh, Philemon. Um, uh, and Paul tells Philemon to release this, this slave that he has. And when we look at really what they were talking about in this, you know, we could talk about whatever the King James Version, they changed it to slavery, whatever. It was more of an indentured servant process that um, as as people were brought in, they were there to pay off a debt. And then once the debt was paid, they were free. Um, so it wasn't an oppressive bonding, a bondage um, that we know slavery as to be. But what the oppressors did work they said well we're going to take this and use it as a way to manipulate and say well god says that you need to obey the authority of whoever's over top of you because if that's not you not you're not godly and so a lot of the things that we do uh, in terms of our liturgy in church in terms of all the things we do is really european um 
uh, Africans were brought here, you know, brought to the States and to Europe. Um, and so when you look at white Christianity and the colonization of it, they stripped us of all of our jewelry, stripped us of all of our culture, stripped us of all, sort of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stripped mm. them of, tried to redo everything and put them in a whole nother place to put them in another mindset. Um, but when you really know you who you are, that's why they don't want you to know because they don't want you to know that you are really a great people that have a lot of power that, you know, you want to talk about bondage in Egypt. The Bible says that the, uh, that the Hebrews multiplied while they were in bondage. And every time they were in somewhere, even though they caused themselves to be in, in, in a lot of these places, they multiply, they increased, mm -hmm. they, they, they got better. Um, and so the circumstances make us better. And I believe that uh, when it talks about the meek, I think they talk about black folks. The meek shall inherit the earth because I don't know of any other people that forgive more, that are, that are more willing to forgive, that are more willing to operate in a, in a sphere of, I'm gonna give you a second chance. Um, and, and, and I just think that, um, you know, everybody's gonna have some angle that they wanna come at and you know, the, the whole, you know, I have friends that are Hebrew Israelites. I have friends that are Muslims. I have friends that are, you know, always the white man, the white man, the white man. Well, from what I can tell, Jesus was black. <laughs> Moses was black. Uh, Abraham was black. Uh, everybody was black. Adam and Eve was black. That's all I know. Mm -hmm. And so if I know that, uh, you know, I have other questions that, that go beyond that, that like, well, did they really start in Africa or is that just where, you know, after the flood, how did the boat really stay over in Africa? Was Africa mm -hmm. the only place? You know, so you can go into a whole plethora of things. But the Bible says there are certain things that God hasn't revealed to us because it ain't necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things of God, he'll reveal in time. And so as we're ready for it, he'll reveal it. It's just odd that we never know where Moses is buried. Um, we never know what Jesus' birthday is because God really says that's not important. You know, he came. Mm -hmm. And you know that they did what they did. So um, I just tell people when it comes to the whole white man religion thing, you if that's the reason that you want, you know, study and show yourself for yourself. And if, mm -hmm. if, if that's, if you, if you can get, if you can get white man religion out of everybody in the Bible being black, then so be it. All right, Pastor, thanks. I like that. I like that. And I, that's a, that was a great answer. Okay, so I also, I've been asking everybody that's been on, what is, like, what actions do you think we could take to bring about this change? Like, what does that look like to you? And um, especially because, like, like you said, Pastor, Jesus was more of a social justice person. Like, he, and that's the thing, like, you, you brought it up when you said, we need white people to do to get involved, especially it's like if you're if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, well, Christ was for equality. So, but what oh, what does it reason again? Oh, hold on. Okay. What I what I was saying was is what. So, what does change look like to you guys? Like, what 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 would you say is the actions that we can do? to actually like bring about the, the social justice that we want. Okay, so I was just having this conversation with my aunt the other day. 
I think, first of all, we need to somehow, I don't know why we have to, is get these police officers to understand this. You murder someone, you're going to be charged with murder. Mm-hmm. And that's period. Nothing, nothing else, nothing less. These people need to be com- charged with murder. Um, if we can't get these judges to like see that or for people to charge them with murder, then we're just going to have to get more people involved in voting for people who will. We also need to get people to vote for either congressmen and women who will also set laws and policies who can control how much funding goes to the police departments. And those police officers who do consider, I mean, continue to like practice police brutality, they get less funding. And then soon, hopefully, they'll start changing their ways in order to get more funding. And then I believe we just have to also make sure that the black community, black communities come together and they start to like teach each other what to do, what not to do to make sure that they stay safe. And I know this may be a radical, probably not a safe way to handle the situation, but I believe if you see another African-American who has not done anything and is like George Floyd sitting there laying on the ground, pinned down by police officers saying they can't breathe, I feel like we need to retaliate and do what we can do to help that person out. And I, I know that, like, yes, the police officer might turn around and attack you. I understand that. Or you might get arrested. But we really need to stop them from killing more African-Americans. That's a, that's a good answer, Samara. Pastor, you, you uh, have anything, do you have anything you want to add or anything you uh, what you think? I, I think all of that. Um, the one thing that I think we, we failed to... Um, to remember, although we talk about the police department, we have to talk about their union, which is the Fraternal Order of Police. Um, that's the mob, really. Mm. Um, and they're the ones that protect their own. And so um, somehow we have to remove some of that power from the, from the FOP because they wield a lot of power. So, um, you know, their, their, their underlying codes are, you know, we never snitch on each other. We never do this, that, and the other. And um, they've always made it seem like it's, it's somebody else's problem. But it's, 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 we, have to, we have to address that. So I think what Samaya was talking about with the funding and a variety of other things, but we have to find a way um, to, to vote, to make sure that we have folks that are in place that can, that, that can, um, put into place these laws and these, these, these protocols, these processes and procedures, uh, starting from the DOJ. Um, you know, I, I don't even think we need to rush to the White House. Just rush to, rush to Congress, rush to, um, and our various states, go to our local state senators and Congress people and protest there locally, that we're loading up their offices with mail, with voicemails and and then calling the, the, the congressman at yep. you know at their office and that their that their uh that their office interns are, are overwhelmed with the phone calls. Um that somebody has to do something. And then I think um as Samaya was saying, as the black community comes together, not only teach us I think we've taught us ourselves how to be safe, but that doesn't matter. Uh we, we you know, we tell folks we, we we're legal, we, we we follow, we comply, we put our hands up yeah. and they tell us I feel like I'm threatened. Uh Mm-hmm. But um, I believe, I know that there's supposed to be this financial blackout 
that T.I. had talked about in July 7th, that all black folks don't spend any money for, for that day, July 7th. But I believe, and I think somebody else brought up a good point, every February, black folks should not spend a dime nowhere else. Um, and I believe you can do that now in any month, but um, yeah. uh, that if you begin to affect, the reason why the, the boycotts and the sit-ins were effective, it was because it caused businesses to lose money. And if anything from this pandemic shows that black folks still will be able to thrive when we ain't got, because that's <laughs> what we've done. Um, and so if, if we, we begin to cripple the economy by not spending. We're the number one consumer in, in the world that they know that we could put Jordans out and we're going to be having a long line for Jordans, but we're not going to stand in line to vote. Um, you can put out the new LeBrons. You can put out the new Shaqs. You can put out the new um, uh, whoever the great football player is or whatever the case may be. You put all these things out, we're going to spend money. Um, I mean, even our own. I mean, what's his name? Kanye selling tennis shoes for the amount of money he's selling tennis shoes for. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so if we begin to, um, if we begin to uh, wield our economic power and begin to use it as the Jews have done it and as, as, the, as the Asians have done it, and even to some extent as, uh, as the Hispanic community has done it, if we come together economically, we would be able to shut the country down because we, I mean, we're literally trillions of dollars in, into their pockets. And if we, if, if, if we're going to, if, if the major way that we do it is we prepare, have a plan that we're going to prepare not to spend for the next three weeks of, for the first three weeks of July or the whole month of February. So by then, and then what you do is encourage, I encourage all of our black businesses to get yourself together. Stop trying to yank mm -hmm. your people and thank your people. Yeah. You know, and then on, on the flip side, I'm not going to come to you if you have a shoe store and say, hey, Billy, give me the hookup. I need some good tennis shoes. We, I talked about the other episode where we talked about uh, black businesses and how we can't, we need to support, but at the same time, when we go to them, we can't be looking at them like, hey, give me the hookup because we don't go to the other places. We, you don't go to the Apple store and say, hey, give me the hookup. Let me get the hookup Right. right. We always want the hookup, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then we wonder why the black business is closed because we're trying to be nice and we yeah. give you the hookup and we don't have enough white people coming in to help buy or non-constituents, non if you will, mm -hmm. to help buy. And so we go out of business because we don't have the support. But if you come in and we're already trying to be a little bit cheaper than Apple. So if we're selling phones, we're going to try to sell a phone instead of 1100, we sell it for 900. But then you want me to give it to you for five. <laughs> and, and that's less than the cost that I got it for. So, you know, you want us to do, you know, you, and so it's a, it's a double thing that we can't go in. And I believe part of it is again, going back to this colonization thing, it's put that mistrust and me and you that I can't trust Billy and Billy can't trust me. Um, and so I'm not going to support them. I'd rather go to ShopRite than come to Billy's grocery store. And then part of it is because I give you attitude. I'm, if I got a store and I come in, hey, I'm not talking to you like I talk. Hey, how you doing, Mr. Walker? Good to see you, mm -hmm. man. Thank you for coming. 
And then maybe, maybe you spent a hundred dollars. I'll throw in, man, go ahead and get a pack of steaks for yourself, for you, you and your wife. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those kind of things that then you begin to build trust, but we don't, we don't trust each other. And then we don't, we don't, we don't strive for the excellence. We just expect people to buy from us because we're black and they're just not. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys jumping on with me. Uh, this was a really good conversation. I do want to ask one last thing. Do you feel optimistic that justice will be served in this case? With- that is I- a tough question. Yeah. Um, hmm. I feel like with the way the protests are going and how many young people are getting involved and these new ideas of like how the protests like economically, I think there is still hope and we are moving in the right direction. Hopefully we stay on the right road, the right path, but I think there's still hope and optimism. I agree. I think there's optimism. Um, do I think we'll get full justice? No. I think um, the, the, um, the, other, the other officers are not going to get charged. Um, I, I think the one that did it will get charged. Yeah, he but, was. Um, yeah, he was charged. It's the other thing. Um, so, right I mean, now. convicted. I mean, I think okay, they all yeah. get charged, but I think, um, I think only the one's gonna get convicted. Um, okay. And so, if we can get all four of them convicted, that's great. I think it needs to be more than third third degree. From what I understand, that the uh, the um, the coroner's report comes out. His autopsy came out that he died from an asphyxia. Yeah, they came out today. So, so if that's the case, then he that should be bumped up to either second degree or first. Degree I agree. Or manslaughter. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then those that are with him should get a significant because they they could have stopped it. Yeah. And, and and then not allowing the the EMTs to be able to to provide uh, care and all that. Yeah. I, if we can get all four convicted, I hope so. But I know the main one has to get at least no less than 25 to life. Yeah, I agree with you on that one, Pastor. Well, I will definitely have you back, Pastor. Thanks for not talking about them garbage behind Steelers, even though you disrespect me with that that ugly mug. <laughs> but I appreciate you jumping on with me. Samaya, thanks. I'm definitely going to have you guys back. Thank you, man. Okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you, Samaya. See you, Pastor. Really appreciative of my niece, Samaya, and um, Pastor Gibson uh, jumping on, uh, even though this was, you know, this was two weeks ago. Uh, I really appreciate them participating. And, um, you know, everyone knows all four officers have been charged in uh, a second uh, autopsy that was done on George Floyd showed that he was killed by asphyxiation and uh, uh, Derek Chauvin's charge was bumped up to uh, second degree murder and um, I believe it was second degree manslaughter as well uh, and then the other three officers were, were charged as accessories um, so I'm, I'm it's, it's hard to be optimistic because we've seen it so many times these people get away with it, but I am a little bit more optimistic, even though initially I was really, in terms of 
the difference between third degree and second degree and Corey kind of talked about this a couple episodes ago. Um, I thought it was, it was probably easier for the prosecution to, to like, when you hear with the, you know, the burden of proof that they had to prove on second degree it does make it a little bit more difficult, but it, I just keep going back to the fact that, you know, he was like, they've been doing moments of silence for like nine minutes and they've been doing moments of silence for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And that's how long Derek Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's neck. And I just keep going back to the fact that, you know, if you look at the video and the accounts of the witnesses, he passed out at six minutes. Like George Floyd passed out. He was completely non-responsive at six minutes. And even after that, Derek Chauvin held his knee in his neck for an additional two minutes and 46 seconds, like a total of three minutes, like nine minutes if you round it up. So six minutes, you held your knee in this man's neck. He passed out. He was completely unresponsive. And you felt the need to continue to hold your knee into his neck for an additional two minutes and 46 seconds and it was just so callous and so cold and so nonchalant as if he was just you know walking across the street that's how easily he kept his knee in that man's neck who was unresponsive and that's the thing that just drives everyone so crazy it makes everyone so angry about it and why i don't think it's a hard thing to prove that this man like committed knowingly murder like it was knowingly because once you get to six minutes and the dude's passed out you made a conscious choice to keep your knee on his neck for that additional three minutes that was a conscious choice therefore you were determined to kill him at that point like six minutes you say, oh well he didn't know he was killing him he wasn't sure but once you got to that six minute part and he was done you knew what you was doing at that point. So there is no debate in my regard to, oh, well, he, it was accident. Like, the defense will go, oh, he didn't intend to kill him. No. At that point, when six minutes hit and he was passed out, you intended to kill him. At that point, you intended to make sure the job was done. He was dead. You wanted to make sure of that. This is uh, the second half of my conversation with my niece's Nalani and Nevaeh and baby Ricky and um, their dad joins us for a little bit. Again, you're not going to get the full conversation I had with my brother Ricky, um, but you will get the full conversation that I had with my nieces and him. Uh, and the rest of my conversation with Ricky would actually be in the upcoming episode. This is the Zero to 100 podcast. Mm-hmm. What's up, Rick? Thanks hey, for joining us. Oh, yeah, no problem. You just been talking about uh, what their thoughts and feelings are, and and they were um, explaining how they're optimistic, but they also don't want people to like forget about it and move on, and just um, some of the changes they would like to see. What about you, Nalani? Do you what what kind of changes would you like to see? Um, I would like to see people talking about you know racism more often and uh also police brutality um i think it's important 
because a lot of people, especially in our generation, like while our, our generation is outgoing and, you know, they, we always speak our mind and, you know, we're very good at uh, making things happen. I think uh, we've been, well, our parents and our parents have been raising us, some parents have been raising us to kind of be scared to speak out, I guess, because of, you know, how they were raised. And, you know, they're just kind of like, oh, you know, just keep quiet on this. So a lot of us are just scared to speak about it. But um, also, I think that there needs to be a change in the justice system. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess that's already obvious, but, you know, I think that definitely needs to be, that definitely needs to be fixed because it's just, just happened for way too long and the fact like I've just been learning so many things recently about like our system and it's just kind of made me question like why didn't this happen faster why why do they still allow this and just watching everything going around me it's just kind of like you know there needs to be some changes that come into place. So Rick I have a question uh, and thanks again for joining us so uh, like Corey is saying how he you know he thinks about how he has to talk to Elias and how to deal with the police and stuff. Have you had those conversations with the girls? Um, honestly, I don't think so. Have I girls? I don't think I have. Not no. really. Yeah, not really. So I think like the conversation I've had with them more so is just about like um a general a general distrust or like caution to take with white people. Like that's a conversation that I've had with them, but um, never anything in particular about interacting with the police. No. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I haven't, but I just, I just haven't. If that makes sense, like... Do you feel like it's because of how... Because, like, I, you know, I don't recall Dad ever having that conversation with us. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I know a few times when I ended up being poor, he had explained to me that you always got to, you know, keep your hands visible and, um, you know, be respectful and stuff like that. But I don't ever remember him sitting us down to specifically have that conversation. Do you not worry about it because they're girls? Uh, That's probably a factor into it. Like, I don't worry about it because they're girls. But then it's like, um, I don't want to say I don't worry about it because of their demeanor and stuff like that. But it's like, um, I, I, I guess part of it is a big part of it for me and this is kind of my perspective on a lot of things in life is like I try not to focus on negative stuff Mm -hmm. and I don't believe in speaking stuff into existence not to say you know that stuff can't happen but it's like I think sometimes if we say certain things then it might plant certain seeds and then cause them to maybe have certain things happen so I don't know if it's just like a will for it, willful, willful ignorance or something on my part, but it's just not a conversation I've had because I just try to hope for the best. And I hate to, yeah, I hate to say it like that. And a lot of it, honestly, is probably just based off of my own personal experience. Um, 
in dealing with the police. Not to say that stuff doesn't happen, but it's like, I think if I'd had a different experience growing up and dealing with the police, then maybe I would say or feel differently about stuff. But I'm just, I think I'm just basing a lot of it off of my own experience. Is that like, something that you guys worry about, girls? It, like, do you guys have like a, a natural fear of the police or interacting with them? Um, I mean, I've always just kind of felt uh, like intimidated, I guess, by like the power that the police hold. But I never really felt a fear because, you know, like you said, like they mainly target black men. So I never really had that like, like actual fear until I heard a few cases like Breonna Taylor Mm-hmm. where she was shot in her home while she was sleeping. And mm-hmm. that just kind of, I guess it was just kind of a wake up, like, hey, this can happen to you too. Like, you know, you've been told to like, keep out, look out for the police because you're black, but like, this can happen to you too. It's not just black men that this is, uh, that this is a problem for. Mm-hmm. I also kind of feel the same. I don't feel the same as Imani, but... I I mean, I think everybody grows up kind of just being scared of the police. I've never really felt comfortable around the police. Um, but I haven't, I literally don't even think I'd like to count. I don't haven't had any like, like racist encounters probably ever that are like noticeable to me. So it's never something that I've been afraid of happening. But because so many things are coming up, it's kind of just like, you know, you can't, this can't happen to you, but I've never really been scared of that happening to me. But I think with a lot of people, because they don't see it happening to them or because it's never happened to them, they're ignorant to think this happens at all or this is a problem. So I think people need to understand that it is a serious problem and it can happen to anyone. What about you, Ricky? Uh, Baby Ricky? I'm not, I'm not so can like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not concerned that anything might happen to me, but I, but I still am aware that it could happen to me anytime. I could be like out shopping with my mom and out of nowhere, I'm gone. Like I'm not, I'm not a person, I'm not alive anymore. But it's not really a wake-up call to me because I've always had this fear. I've always had the fear of police. They just make me very uncomfortable. And when they're, like, police, it doesn't, it doesn't, even if you're, like, Black and you're a woman, it doesn't still make it more comfortable to me. I still feel intimidated by them. And it doesn't really help with, like, trying, with them, like, trying to calm me down because you're a police officer and I, like, don't know if you're going to kill me. I think, yeah, that's understandable. That's very understandable. So uh, what things do you guys, is is there anything that you feel like that you can do to help make things better? Like, I know none of you guys are, are legally allowed to vote, but what are some of the things you think that you could do to help make make things better? Or, um, Well, personally for me, like you said, since I can't uh you know, really vote or do anything like that because I'm not of age. I've been, uh, I've been signing a lot of petitions lately, which a lot of people don't feel like actually, you know, contribute to anything. But honestly, it's it's not that hard to just, you know, take 
five minutes of your time to just sign a couple petitions and then, you know, go on your way. I think a lot of people were just kind of like, oh, I'll just, you know, post this and then, you know, people will think I'm, you know, an activist or whatever. But there's a lot of stuff that you can do that doesn't just have to be like that you broadcast. Like, like I've signed so many petitions in the past couple of weeks to, you know, help go towards the cause for like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all these people whose cases have been reopened. So uh, that's what I've been doing on my part. So I guess that's something that, you know, people like our age can do. And I've seen a lot of people who have been doing that, which is really helpful. What about you, Ricky? Um, I've been I've been uh, signing petitions to like Nalani, but I've also been educating people who like do do like racist things, I guess you could say, like, and they're like, well, there's no reason to be doing this if it didn't happen in your state be because of this person. Well. It's been happening. It's been happening all over. There's nowhere to pinpoint mass mass killings of like African Americans and the black community. Well, that's the same thing, but there's nowhere to pinpoint it. And I just I literally will like send thousands and thousands of text messages to them of the same exact thing over and over again until they like block me or like do whatever because I'm trying to get it through to their mind and tell them that this isn't okay like you shouldn't be doing this i'm surprised you're this young doing saying surprised. these things mm -hmm. what about you uh Nevaeh? uh well you know i sign petitions and sometimes i've even donated even if it's like small amounts to me personally it counts because i've just seen so much growth and i've seen so much like actually happen rather than seeing you know rather than seeing nothing happen because of this and it's really like eye-opening it's like things can change like things are changing and this is important so I think you should do it although I don't I do post a lot on my on you know on social medias and I'm very like open to talk about it with people if they want to but I'm not going to like personally attack you if you choose to not post about it to talk about it but it's just like it's frustrating because it's like some of those people are my friends and it's like I thought they would be different about it and even when I do try to talk to them about it it seems like they're ignorant to me trying to tell them like this is important so it's frustrating but I I really feel like you can do a lot even though you're not you know of age to vote or anything like that that's a I'm glad that you guys take that attitude. That's a good thing. Cause I think um signing petitions may not seem like that's a major thing, but it is. It's important because it lets people know that people care and you see how many people care about something, then they might like they, they should move or act on it. And I'm glad that um uh, Ricky, you said educating, because educating is very important. And it is something you should do because if more people were educated about the problems, then maybe we wouldn't have it because racism is something that is actually learned and it's passed on. So it's like the fact that like your parents raised you guys to not be racist. And if, you know, you would hope other parents would raise their kids to not be racist and stuff like that. And if more people did that, then it wouldn't be as much of a problem. 
Rick, do you have any questions for your daughters? Um, I, I guess I'll say like, not necessarily a question, but I'm just, I'm pleased to know, you know, that they care about these things and these issues and it like sitting there just reminded me of like when I was in high school and I remember like when the dude Amadou Diallo got shot like 41 times by the police or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it was like the whole album that came out and just, um, I guess like my state of mind about things, um, you know, so it, it's like the, I'm just pleased to see that because it's, it's not like, like I said, like I don't talk to the kids about the police and stuff like that, um, you know, and how to interact with them or whatever. But I'm just glad to know that like some of the conversations we've had are just some of the things, because I, I know, I mean, like I've talked to them at least about like, like, you know, and I think every black person is just generally nervous when you see the police. Mm -hmm. like, your rear view it reminds me of like the Dave Chappelle uh, stand-up bit when he's you know talking about the white dude with the police mm -hmm. when he sees the police it's like it's just a generally different reaction um mm. and you know I, I I just I just I like that they are involved with issues that are um, pertinent to their generation and I hope that they continue to feel that way and I feel like there's a better opportunity for change and it's like it's a continuous process it's not something that happens overnight but you know as we get further away from a lot of the racist behaviors and policies and different things like that um i think that as we get further away from it and you know generation as generations grow up more together then there's probably a better appreciation of other races and things of that nature. So hopefully, you know, as they grow up, they won't encounter the same, you know, same sort of discrimination that I may have or that our parents may have um, and that things generally will become better and easier for them. Because, I mean, that's always your hope as a parent mm -hmm. is that things are better for your kids than they were for you. So I got one more question for you guys. Do you feel like like, do you guys appreciate the older generation getting involved with the movement and doing things? Or do you have an attitude like, you guys are part of the generation that brought about this problem and you didn't do enough to try to solve it. So we don't care what you have to say. I don't think that it's the older generation's problem because literally America was built off of slavery. So it's not... If anything, I kind of applaud them and I congratulate them for going through some of the same things that we're going through and giving us civil rights and ending segregation and being really open about this. And I feel like because we've had those examples in our past time that we can do this now, not with no problem, but with a little less of a pain because a lot of black people are understanding to this. So it's more simple and not more simple, but like people are more on board with this idea because it's happened before. It's not something new. Nalani? Um I have a I have a respect for, you know, people in the older generations who are standing with us and who support the Black Lives Matter movement. I have 
you know, I have, I applaud them, but to the people who don't, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's not shocking, but it's just kind of disappointing, I guess. Like, it's, it's just like, I'm not surprised, but it is, it is really disappointing to see because it's like, you know, like, like this is, these are the future generations. Why would you not want, you know, better for them? But like, as the generations go, have gone on and, you know, we've gotten down to us, the Gen Z, it's like, I do see that things have gotten better. And I do see that a lot of people like want change. And like, I think the biggest thing is misinformation. And there's a lot of like, you know, bad information being spread around, especially on like, you know, some on the news and on the media, which just makes a lot of this stuff look really bad. And, you know, you know, like the older generations that, you know, they watch like, the news and stuff and that's where they get their, all their information. They're not really on social media like that. So they just kind of see things from one side and don't get to see the whole story. But when you're a younger generation like us and you are on the media and you are, you know, like you're interacting with people from everywhere, people who have different views from you. It's really like, it's really nice to just see open-minded people and just like, you know, just see people who understand and, you know, care about the situation. Mm-hmm. Ricky? Uh, I, I, I do have respect for some of the older generation uh especially people like teachers that have like put up assignments that are like related around it and like kind of put pause on like science or like math or social studies or whatever but certain certain generations and certain people's like whatever family members um like, I don't have respect for them. I, I have respect for them, like, general respect, but I don't have respect for them as in, like, like, I don't have, I don't have respect for, like, their political, for, like, their, opinion. their opinions. Yeah, I don't have respect for their opinions and what they have to say about it, because, again, like Nalani said, they they only, like, most likely watch the news or read the news and they're getting this one-sided version of the protests that are very peaceful half of the time and they just get that all we do is violence and violence and that we're not going to get our way without like stealing like an iphone or something we're not going to get our way i'm happy to see that you guys recognize that that you can't like you know uh immediately go with everything that the media tries to feed and you 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 can differentiate like what's reality and what's like being perpetuated more by the media because i think initially i was very concerned in regards to the the looting and stuff but then you like realize that that's actually like a small aspect to it and it's way more peaceful people out there protesting and even the rioting is understandable. Like uh, something that I listened to a conversation that a guy had. And the thing is, is that, you know, people who are all like, Oh, the rioting is horrible. It's like, well, you know, you should be more concerned to why are they rioting? Why are they protesting? Like, as opposed to, Oh, the rioting is bad. Like, is it more bad than, unarmed black people being killed and murdered because I would say unarmed black people being killed and murdered is worse. But 
Talking to you guys makes me feel better. I feel better about the future. I still think your music choices stink, but that's for another conversation. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you asked them this earlier. You might have, and I may have missed it. And if I did, if you could just recap it, but like, what is it that you guys, what is it ideally that you would want to see happen as a result? Like if they, if you had to pick like at most like three things, what would you like to see come as a result of all of this? Yeah, that's a better way of asking. Cause I, I did ask them um, what they would like to see done, but that's a better way. Yeah, so what your dad just said, what, what three things would you guys like to see as a result from all of this? Uh, well, because of this personally, I would, I would want to see um, police training because police get trained for how long? It's literally a very short amount of time. And it's very concerning once I learned about it. And I feel like they should literally, I really think that they should look more deeper into like their smarts and how they think and how long they should train them. I think it should be a lot of time and effort rather than just like getting them in and then getting them out and then mm -hmm. saying that they, uh, that's a good job when it really isn't. Um, I like to see people be more open of a discussion to these types of things because I feel like it's just been shunned away for so long. And like I said, people are just so quiet and they don't really raise their kids to talk about this because it's like, I, I have like a lot of classmates that are ashamed to talk about this. They think it's embarrassing. And I talked to them about this. They're like, yeah, it's too embarrassing or it doesn't go with who I am. And I was like, it was just kind of just eye-opening to see that. Um, and I just hope people are more equal, like, oh, and equality comes to them more. And I hope that they talk about other stuff, not just, um, people being killed by the police that, you know, like, you know, being brutally murdered, but also being more open to LGBTQ, like, identity and being more open to, like, Asian American and, and Indigenous American and all these other, other people that are suffering from, you know, like, Racism, because I feel like this is very eye-opening. Um, again, I want to see more people educated because there are a lot of people out here saying, well, more white Americans get killed than African Americans by police. And I'm just like, well, just, well, first, can you check what you're reading? Because you might be reading it backwards or something. Or, uh, or um, sometimes it's like, well, there are more white Americans in America than there are African Americans. So obviously, the more people, the more people are going to get killed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's 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 concern it concerns me on how uneducated people are. And I want there to be I want I want companies to be more transparent and show that they really do support this and they really are supportive are supportive of the um protest and everything that's going on because some companies are just straight up they could be just lying to you and you'd be like oh they're supportive and whatever because they posted this one tweet or they posted this one instagram post 
Can I ask a question just to follow up on that? How does that make you guys feel? And I'm sorry, we'll, we'll oh, get Oh, yeah, that. no, that's a good question, though. How does that make you feel when you see, like, these companies, like like Netflix now has, like, a Black Lives Matter section or Amazon, same thing, you know, like, when you're either on their website or if you're watching, like, you know, the streaming services, how does that make you feel when you see that? It makes me, it, sometimes it's true, and... Mm-hmm. I'm like, yay, they did a good job. They're like, they're actually supportive. But when you look at it and you can just see all the lies and deception that they've put out into the world, it makes me sad. I'm like, I really thought this company would be supportive. I really thought they actually cared and that they weren't just this lame old company that doesn't care, kind of. Okay. And I'm sorry, you can go to Nalani now to get her, her Okay, take. Nalani, what, what changes do you want to see come from this? I guess three changes, well, three big changes that I think should happen are having better discussions or having discussions at all, because I feel like a lot of people are scared or shy to talk about it. And it's like, well, this is, you know, this is happening right now. Like, you can't just, like, a lot of, I think, I feel like a lot of people are in denial about it, and they just kind of want to pretend that it's not happening, but it's like, you know, that might have worked before, but, you know, this is now, like, this is happening. We're trying to make change happen. You have to start having tough conversations and be more open about, you know, what's going on in our world, and, you know, I, and that leads me into another thing. I think people should like Ricky said, educate themselves. That's a really big thing that I feel like a lot of people are lacking. And there's just, there's just so much misinformation and just so many people just not really knowing what they're talking about. And it's just kind of sad to see because, you know, they just kind of fall down this loophole of, you know, thinking what they think. And it's like, well, if you, if you just open like your, your mind to different views, even if you don't support them, just, just like, listen to listen to what everyone has to say and maybe you'll learn something new even if it doesn't necessarily go with what you believe you know like you can always you can always learn from someone even if you don't your views don't align and I guess the last thing the last thing would probably be I mean it's kind of big but I guess just like just an overall reform of the justice system and the system in general you know the government because I just feel like like it's just I don't know America's just built off of systematic racism and it has been for a really long time. And a lot of people just don't seem to see that unless you're our skin tone and you've been experiencing it for all this time. Mm -hmm. So I, and you know, like Nevaeh said, like it was shocking to find out how long police officers train. And it turns out that hairstylists train longer than police officers do. Yeah, Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't even know that. I knew yeah. officers were trained for a short period of time. I didn't know hairstyles. Hairstylists have to train longer than police officers. And when I found out that, that just kind of like threw me for a loop because I was like, okay, this definitely needs to change. Like, it just seems like the system just kind of bring in these people, give them guns and say, you know, go out into the world, you know, do a good job. You got this. And, you know, there's just not, there's just no justice for anybody anymore. And not, I mean, not even really black people, I guess. It's for, you know, all people of color. But, you know, like, just for black people, it's been happening for a really long time. And it's really good that, you know, it's coming to light. But if things don't change after this, I think some people are going to be very, very angry. And things are going to 
probably get very out of control, which wouldn't be good for, you know, considering the state we're in, but, you know, I really just kind of hope for the best. Well, great answers. I think you guys gave great answers, and I'm definitely going to have you back. I appreciate you joining me. Rick, did you have anything else before I let them go? Um, I, I guess not. I, I don't know if you care about my things. <laughs> well, no, yeah, stick around. I can talk to you afterwards. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you can let them go then. Bye, girls. Thanks for joining us. That's going to do it for the Zero to 100 podcast. And once again, uh, just a big shout out of thanks to all of my guests, uh, my nieces, Samaya, Nalani, Nevaeh, and uh, baby Ricky, and um, Pastor Gibson. I really appreciate him jumping on, even though he's a Steelers fan. (laughs) He gave some great uh, answers, and I'm definitely going to have him back. And um, my brother, Ricky. And uh, I I talked to him for an additional, like, 40 minutes uh, after I let the girls go. And uh, that's going to be a part of the next uh, Zero to 100 podcast episode. Um, At this point, I kind of just wanted to recap what took place in Atlanta and just highlight why we need uh, reforms and uh, also let you know what's coming up in the future uh, episodes of Zero to 100 podcast. So, you know, um, by now, everyone has probably heard of uh, the death of Rashad Brooks. A 27-year-old black man uh, in um, Atlanta, Georgia, and um, the long and short of it, like he, had, there was footage for over of over an hour. Um, you know, he was he fell asleep in the drive-through lane at a Wendy's in Atlanta, and um, you know, police was called because he was in the drive-through lane, cars was driving around him. Uh, one officer got there and saw he was asleep, and uh, you know, was trying to wake him up. Then once he did wake him up, he had him park the car, and then another officer showed up, um, and they were just having a conversation. And th- and this is where police training really comes into effect because, uh, you know, during the conversation, they you know led to him getting the sobriety test. He failed the sobriety test, but he was saying, "Hey, my sister lives in here. Can I just leave my car here, lock it up, and you know I'll walk over to my." Um, sister's home and then my, my thought is this is a misdemeanor thing like he wasn't driving he didn't hurt anybody and hit anybody it's a misdemeanor thing at that point you should have let him go you could have gave him a ticket you could have wrote him up like you hit this is where it comes down to and yet it escalated and they were like oh we're gonna take you in okay fine but once he freaked out because he was very intoxicated it was very clear he was uh once he freaked out and, you know, they had a scuffle and he got a taser or one of the tasers away from one of the officers. Once he started running away, he's no longer a threat. You know, he just has a taser. And why you felt the need to use deadly force on a person that is fleeing the scene. You have his car. You have his name. You have his ID. You know what was going on. Like, you can pick him up whenever. This isn't like... You know, I heard somebody say this. I could understand if it was, this was a serial killer who had killed 50 people and you couldn't let him get away because if he gets away, he probably will kill somebody else. 
This was just a dude that fell asleep in the, his car at, at, at a drive-thru. So, it, you know, it was no need to use deadly force to shoot this man in the back. That didn't constitute him dying. And this is why we're marching. This is why we're angry. Um, it's just, it's, it's so frustrating. And until they stop doing it, we're going to keep going. And it's going to be an everyday thing. And it has been. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the march that's taking place in August, uh, even though um, Corona is still going on. It hasn't gone anywhere. That's another thing that I definitely want to get into because it kind of not hit home, but it hit me in the gut when I found out yesterday that uh, the running back for the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott, tested positive for COVID-19. It was like, no. <laughs> so that uh, that was some crappy news, especially when I am very much looking forward to uh, football coming back. But it, it's just, it, you know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And I've still been thinking about that. And, it, you know, with the leadership we have in place, it hasn't been going away. And, uh, you know, Texas is a state in particular that is out of control, especially as they started to open them back up. So it's not a huge surprise that there are several players on the Cowboys uh, and the Houston Texans that have tested positive for COVID-19. Um, that's just something else to, to keep in mind. So I'm definitely going to get back into that. Um, I just wanted to uh, take this moment because, uh, you know, my wife was, had overheard the conversation I was having with the girls and uh, she he expressed to Ricky how impressed she was with um, my nieces, um, just how articulate and intelligent they they sound. And and again, it's just reason for me to be very optimistic about our future. Um, when they have such like you know deep and thoughtful answers and responses and, and these are things that they think about it really makes me feel very optimistic about the future and how we can implement this change and it can't because the young people have been leading this movement they have been on the front lines and they have been really the driving force behind it and it can't just be them it has to be the older generation and it has to be the current generation and the future generation that we all have to really come together to to implement this change and and that's kind of what the future episodes are, are going to be about like i'm going to get back into some covid stuff but i'm also want to come through with not just talking about the thing like put, putting forth what our ideas are or what policies we want to actually see uh, done and in fact even explaining defund the police because that's something that I get into with um, Ricky in the next episode um, and um, one of the things that Pastor Gibson said and this is and, you know, from all the conversations I've had with people where we talk about economics and economics is a driving factor in this country in particular in this capitalist country and it, it can be very powerful and you know we have to as, as black people in this country we have to express and show our economic power and uh, one of the things that is coming up is Juneteenth and there's this um, you know campaign to people to really spin on black businesses that weekend of Juneteenth and, and uh, in the future just buying black going to black businesses and we, we talked about it in a 
past episode, the Black Dollar. So um, that's important. And then just letting them feel the economic impact of not having our dollar. And uh, that's coming up on uh, June 7th, I believe. They're, they, they were calling for a blackout where you don't spend money. And it, ha- it can't just be that one day, though. It, it has to be, like, within that first, like Pastor Gibson has said, like, the first couple weeks of July. Like, if you do that, then they'll feel the impact. Like, hey, what's going on here? These are things that we can do to try to also show to force their hand. Like, we have to, like... I keep going back to what President Obama said, that there's two parts to it, that there's protesting and then there's action. The protest brings awareness, and now the next step is we have to do the action, which is we have to call for policies, and we have to have a plan, and we have to be clear with our message and clear with what we actually want. Like, I get into it about some of the other things that have been going on surrounding this movement, and I'm not going to get into it here, but just keep coming back listening to the zero to 100 podcast i've been very happy with um how consistent i've been with it and i'm trying to be consistent this is what i've been calling my season two and um i've been enjoying every single minute that i get to do this i really am appreciative of everyone that is listening if you want to join the conversation just email the show at zero to 100 pod at gmail.com that's the number zero to100pod at gmail.com. Also, make sure you follow me on Twitter at wcwpoet. There is plenty of more. There's plenty more zero to one hundred podcasts coming. So, thanks for uh, listening. Again, I appreciate it. This has been the Zero to One Hundred Podcast, Episode Forty Four, The Next Generation. We out.